Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited for this episode with a dear friend of mine, Justine Sloan. But before we dive in, I just want to share a quick reminder that number one, I am doing a free workshop inside of my Facebook group all about the one thing Yes, the one thing that you need to end your binge eating, it is happening on Tuesday, September 28th at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So if you're watching this, as soon as it comes out, you still have time to be able to join the Facebook group so that you can have access to that workshop. If you are watching this later, I also have a second thing that you can join as well too, which is my free five-day end nighttime eating challenge. This is running for five days and it's starting on October 4th inside my private Facebook group and I'm going to share with you how to break the cycle of nighttime eating because I know it's frustrating, doing well all day with your diet, and then come the end of the day, whether you are snacking uncontrollably late at night, or you find yourself just eating out of stress, and you know you're not even hungry, you're just sitting there on the couch feeling like it's just on autopilot, like you always need to eat something late at night, this is definitely going to be for you. So join my free Facebook group. I'm going to post the the links um, in the show notes. So if you want to have access to that training, which is happening on Tuesday, September 28th, the one thing that you need to stop binge eating, join my Facebook group. If you want to join the five-day end nighttime eating challenge, you can click the show notes or go to sustainablehealthproject.com forward slash challenge. And then all of the details will be sent to you. So I'm so excited. Be sure to register and let's go ahead and dive into this episode. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Ditch Decade Diets Podcast. I am your host, Lorna Perozo, certified food freedom coach and founder of the Ditch Decade Diets Academy. I've spent 10 years in an unhealthy relationship with food, binge eating, over-exercising, and feeling insecure in my body. This podcast is all about helping you get to the root of your food struggles and teaching you how to rewire your brain so you can end binge eating. If you're ready to improve your relationship with food and cultivate more self-love towards yourself and your health, this is the podcast for you. So let's get to it and jump right in. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Ditch Decade Diets podcast. I am so excited today. We have a very special guest. Her name is Justine Sloan, and she's going to come on and share her experience, her struggles, her past struggles with food and body, and really just um, share with you what is possible. She is the queen of self-love. She actually just came out with a book, which is so exciting. And she'll talk more about that as well too. But um, Justine, I am so excited to have you on the show. Yay. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here, Lorna. Yeah. Awesome. So let's dive in, I guess, into 
your story, like just tell us a little bit about um, your story, kind of who you are, what you've been through and um, yeah, your personal life, your anything you want to share. This is a free for all. Perfect. Yeah. So I do have a long backstory to kind of summarize it. Um, my journey and really the reason I do what I do today started way back when I was just seven years old. And second grade, I can remember being at the doctor's office with my mom and I had been gaining a lot of weight that year. And so the doctor said to my mom, but in front of me shared that I was in the 90th percentile for my weight, which meant I was heavier than 90% of children my age. And so that was the first time at just seven years old, where I really remember feeling like something was wrong with my body. Something was wrong with me that I was not good enough because of my weight, my body and how I looked. And so I really started noticing it more and more, you know, looking at other girls at school on my sports teams and really noticing how I was different in that way. And at eight years old, I tried my first diet. My mom had slim fast in the house. And so I was drinking slim fast. Um, I was drinking it in addition to all my kid foods, like chicken tenders and mac and cheese. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of success with it. Um, and so in grade school, it was really like this thing that I had no idea how to change it was just really, really painful. And, you know, I got teased, not a lot, but, you know, I can remember comments and kids teasing me about my weight. So then when I got into middle school, when boys come into the picture and popularity, all of, all of these things, I felt like it was just unbearable. So that's where I really started digging in, getting my hands on whatever I could get for, you know, nutrition information or how to burn calories. I had those little books, like eat this, not that, And I always say, by the time I was 13, I think I knew the calories in every type of food. Mm -hmm. So finally at that age, I was able to successfully lose weight at at 13. And I received so much praise and validation for it from adults, not from my parents. My parents never commented either way, which I really appreciate looking back. But, you know, from other adults, people were commenting and congratulating me for getting skinny at 13. So it really, really just solidified at that young age that I would be more valuable in the world as a woman, if I was thin. Mm -hmm. So then through high school, college, I was constantly dieting constantly, you know, all of my workouts were about mostly it was cardio and just trying to burn as many calories as possible. And this like real fixation on eating as little as possible, working out as much as possible. And then at the end of college, I started working at a gym. I was in New York. I grew up in Wisconsin, but I was in New York for college. And I started talking to the personal trainers there. There were like 30 trainers on staff. And I started learning about this whole world of fitness. And it was just like, for me, it felt like this healthy way to get the body I so desperately wanted, like those fitness models on the cover of magazines. So I was just obsessed right away. And now I was reading all the fitness magazines. I was picking every trainer's brain. Um, and I got super into it. So a year later, I actually got certified as a personal trainer, which I did for 10 years. And I absolutely loved the work I did training clients really, really loved it, but I still felt insecure. And I felt like I didn't want to have to sell training. I wanted people to come to me. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to be my own billboard. So I was like, okay, I am going to do a fitness competition. And a couple of the guys at the gym I knew had done bodybuilding shows. So I kind of started digging into that and, 2010 was my very first competition. I thought I'd be one and done, but instantly I was hooked and I ended up doing 
19 fitness competitions over the course of four years. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. (laughs) Totally. Totally. And I was very successful in the industry. Like it really took off and I was able to get a really big supplement contract. So then at that point I was getting paid for each show. I would get paid a bonus of first, second, or third. I was getting my expenses covered. So flown around, going to fitness expos, um, fitness modeling, all of these things. And that was also when I was growing my Facebook page, Facebook pages were really big at the time. So I grew this page to just under 2 million followers, like at the peak of my fitness career. So I had so much success and all of these things happening that I had so desperately wanted and was super lean. And, you know, like women would comment on my pictures and say goals, but underneath all of that, underneath all of the exterior, I was miserable. My anxiety was through the roof, like unbearable. And I was not taking care of my health at all. It was extremely strict dieting. And then whenever I'd have breaks, I would binge like crazy and pack on, you know, quite a few pounds in a short amount of time and then have to lose that again. So it's always this up and down yo-yo cycle. And I just, I still, I was not loving myself. I was not respecting myself. I wasn't taking care of my health. I really, it hurts me to say it, but I really didn't even care about my health at the time. I was just so focused on these goals and had so much pressure on how I had to look or how I believed I had to look within the industry. So that led me to my rock bottom, which was 2014. And that summer, my doctor called and he had done some blood work because I was, I was not looking good and my body was no longer responding. And he called me up and he said, Justine, you have to stop. Like you have to take a break. And part of me felt really devastated. Like, what am I going to do now? This is my livelihood. But this other part of me was relieved because I just, I couldn't stand it anymore. This life I had created was, again, it just felt like hell internally. Mm -hmm. So at that point I started shifting everything in my life. I went through a divorce. I moved out of New York back to Milwaukee. And that was really, for me, the point that I started looking at, like, how do I feel happy and whole? And how do I actually find balance with eating? Like, how how do I actually take care of myself and have a healthy relationship with food, with exercise, with body? And so now the last seven years have really been this beautiful journey of healing and coming back to myself and really focusing on the inner work and um, really getting to this place of complete food freedom Um, I'm remarried now to my soulmate and I'm happier than ever before. And I feel like life just continually gets better and better the longer I'm like on this other side. So yes, that's the long, long story of it. (laughs) No, but it's, it's so crazy. You mentioned that like, even those positive comments of like body goals and you look so good, how like detrimental those can literally be. Like people think that's like, oh, like, you know, that's going to give me motivation, but it's like, it's, it's so much pressure. Like I can't lose this. I can't lose this body because then what are people going to think of me? You Mm -hmm. know? And it's just kind of creates this downward spiral, but 19 competitions. I did not know that girl. That is freaking crazy. It was brutal. There was a lot of pressure to like, to do every national show. And then it was like, Mm -hmm. well, don't show up to nationals unless you do this show first. It was a lot of, there's a lot of politics in the industry. Yes. And so, and then also the coaches I was working with were getting paid on, like they were getting paid on each show we did. The more that we did, the more we 
had to pay them. So there was a lot of pressure like externally, mm-hmm. to, you know, keep on, keep on going. Um, yeah. and, you know, and then even sometimes when I would have like a short window where I would have a break, that would be the time that my supplement company would schedule a photo shoot because they don't really know how it works. And they're like, Oh, you're in shape 365. Like you look like that all the time. So we'll just do this shoot here. And I hope that's okay. So it was like just constant, constant pressure. Yeah. And I think also too, not only pressure from like the coaches and stuff, but I remember like, I only did two competitions, so it's nothing compared to you, but I remember even like going back to the gym after a competition, I was like, I can't blow up because like people at the gym know me as this competitor knows me as the the personal trainer knows me as the fit one. Like, what are they going to literally think of me if I do gain weight? So I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit. Like, was there fear even in your like inner circle with like friends and family, like fear of, of judgment? I wouldn't say like, definitely not from my family. And actually I was pretty disconnected from my family at the time. Like, I don't think they were still really supportive and my mom actually would fly out and come to a lot of my shows, but I don't think they really understood what was going on with me or they probably would have done more to like intervene. And then a lot of the friendships I had at the time were not, they weren't really solid, healthy friendships. A lot of it was like, again, within the industry. And there is kind of this sentiment of like, everyone's doing it and these things are okay. And like, even these health flare ups, I experienced a lot of like signs and symptoms long before I had my rock bottom. And I think it's just very, you know, people make it like, it's okay, even when it's not, but I do, I totally understand with like going back to the gym and like, people know you for that. And I can remember part of why I got hooked on it too, right from the beginning is like, I was training for this show. And in my mind, I was like, I'm going to win. I'm going to take first. <laughs> and I did my yeah. first one and I took second to last. And so then I was like, I was constantly, every time I wouldn't win a show or place like really well, I always felt like I was letting other people down. And I look back and I'm like, nobody cares. Like <laughs> I see that yeah. now, but at the time, like you, you get super in your head and this tunnel vision when you're in that mode. And like every day it's this crazy grind for this one show. And then if you don't place well, I I can remember that just being so hard on me. And that's where I was like, okay, I've got to do the next one. I've got to prove myself. It was this constant, never ending cycle. Yeah. What do you think helped you get that self-worth back without having, you know, these 2 million followers and without having these competitions, because you had all of that and, you know, it still didn't feel enough to you. So just curious, like, how did you build up that, that self-worth, like truly like sustainably feeling that self-worth? Yeah, it was definitely a process. Like it's been a long process. Um, but I think some of the quick wins in the beginning were again, when I, when I moved home and then once the diet plans were gone, the meal plans were gone, the exercise plans were gone. And I was kind of just like doing my thing and doing what felt good. It was like, holy, holy moly. Like it was everything I'd been missing out on Mm -hmm. and just getting to experience life after all of these years of really being so obsessed with all of this stuff, you know, the fitness industry years, but even before that, you know, I never really got to just enjoy my life. And part of that is food. It's like every time we go to a social event or go have dinner with someone, 
you know, I can remember right when I moved back to Milwaukee, going to a basketball game with my dad. And beforehand we went out and I ordered a burger and I had two beers and it was like such an awesome night. And then also like being able to do that. And then the next day be like, nothing bad happened. Like it's, it's one meal, like not beating <laughs> up, you know, but you, we don't realize like until we're out of it, how much of your life is tarnished when you're obsessed with this stuff and how many years of every birthday, every holiday, it was either like I was binging and hating myself for that. Or I was like eating out of my little plastic bag and like death staring everyone who was eating normal food. You know what I mean? It was one extreme or the other. So I think just getting my life back, it started really encouraging me to continue going further. Mm. And just really showed me too that like, there's so much more outside of that. Like there was just so much more to life, like, you know, just the happiness and being present and even like coming home and starting to wear real clothes again, I always say, because I was constantly in just like athleisure, which I still wear a ton of, but, you know, like, again, getting to go out and experience life in a different way. I think it really encouraged me to keep going and Mm -hmm. keep just doing what felt good, you know? Yeah. I love that you mentioned about feeling good because when we lead with feeling good, it's like, that's such a healthy intention versus like, I got to fix my body or I got to drop the weight. It's like the, the intention is everything, you know, the intention is really everything. And, um, I think so many people can relate to that, but I'm curious for you, Justine, you know, obviously this was a huge process, but how did you like, what was like the turning point that enabled you to be okay, potentially with your body changing, potentially with not looking the same way that you did a few years ago? Like what, what really supported you in being okay with the different body? Mm-hmm. I hate to say this. Cause I hate to say like, it was meeting my, my husband, but that was definitely a big part of it because I had never experienced with men. I always found, I always found men to reflect back to me, all of my deepest insecurities. So they would constantly say things, even like the last boyfriend who I was so in love with before I met my now husband, like made a comment once like, Oh my God, well, if you'd ever gained 10 pounds, like it's just like unacceptable. Like, you know, of course, again, of course we find people to mirror back what we're experiencing on the inside. So that was always how it was for me in relationships, you know, very unhealthy. And so then meeting my husband and again, just feeling different and having this experience of like, I really could tell, I really knew in my heart and soul that he loved me for me. And it wasn't about anything with the looks and it, it really just helped me to start to let my guard down. Like even when I used to work out in the fitness industry years, I always call them like, I would have a full face of makeup on and just like everything. It was like never letting anyone like see me. And with him, I really was able to do that. And like, you know, no matter what, I can remember even when I got LASIK and like all my lashes I had to take off and my real ones were damaged and like, I never felt worse. And he was like, you're so beautiful. Like I knew he meant it. And I could just always tell that it was like, again, it wasn't about how I actually looked. It was like, he really saw me. And so that really helped me for me to start seeing me as that too. Mm-hmm. And I think he was also a really big catalyst for, I, I saw that I still had a lot of things that were unresolved, a lot of work that I needed to do and a lot of things that I needed to heal. And so when I met him, 
I was like not ready to meet the right person. <laughs> and he showed up and I was like, I don't want to ruin this. And I don't want to take old things out on him. I don't want to bring my baggage into this. So it really encouraged me to start doing deeper work, reading the books, getting coaching, um, you know, really working with different healers and trying different techniques. That's when I found tapping. So a lot of things that I use now that are in my toolkit that I've kind of added to over the years, that was really a big catalyst for me to, to start. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm interested to hear about this, this toolkit. Cause it's, it's so interesting how there's, there's literally so many tools out there and so many different tools work for, you know, different people. So do you have like one favorite tool that like you use every single day or one tool that's been like a game changer for you? Mm -hmm. Well, I would say in general, a morning routine, like taking time every single morning, even if it's mine is always longer than 15 minutes now, because I love it so much that I I'll get up early to make time for it. Like it's worth it for me. But I started out years ago, just taking 15 minutes of like stillness or meditation or journaling and just, just being intentional before my day started. And that has been a huge game changer. And I would say journaling is another big one. I do love journaling, whether it's a brain dump or writing down affirmations. For me, I've always been someone who, even if I'm taking notes that I don't revisit, it just helps me to write things down mm -hmm. and, you know, to get things out on paper. I think it's kind of the same experience as like venting to someone or talking to a therapist. I feel like when you get it out, you feel a sense of relief, just, you know, letting it, letting it be somewhere else. So that's a really big one for me too. Yeah. I, it's so funny. Like I have a morning routine now and I'm like, how did I even go through the world without having a morning routine before? I was like, like, what was I even thinking? Like now, honestly, like I love it. I look forward to it. And I think everybody needs that sacred time for themselves because now it's like, we're, everybody's just go, go, go so busy all the time. And we really need that time for stillness. Like you said, to connect with yourself, to whether it's journaling, it's gratitude, meditation, breath work, reading, like there's so many different tools that can really help you. And it's a good way to set yourself up for success you know, first thing in the morning to have, you know, an awesome kick-ass day. Right. I love that. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I guess to wrap up here, um, what are some things, cause I know you're really big on self-love and that's kind of what you coach, you know, your clients through and stuff for somebody listening who maybe they feel like they can't experience that self-love unless they're at a certain body or they look a certain way what are maybe three tips that you can give them or a few tips that you can give them, um, to really just hone in on that self-love or even start working on self-love because self-love can feel so far away from some people. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I don't even accept my body. Like, how can I even love my body or how can I love myself? So maybe you can just share a few tips, um, on, on self-love. Totally. Totally. Well, one thing I always share is that self-love to me is not about looking in the mirror and being like every single detail is perfect. Like it's not about that at all. And I don't even really think it's about the visual. I think it's about finding some neutrality with your body. And again, understanding that you're so much more than your body. 
Mm-hmm. And our bodies are really these vessels that allow us to live our lives. Like every mm-hmm. single day is a gift and we wouldn't be able to have the lives we have if we didn't have this body carrying us around, keeping us alive, you know, 24 seven. So it's really shifting from like, I, again, I love what I see visually, like really starting to feel more neutral about that and being okay with, you know, maybe not being where you want to be physically, because I also think that's just, uh, like kind of, uh, I call it like the, the dangling carrot in front of us that we never really reach as long Mm -hmm. as we're focused on being physically perfect. Like we're never going to reach that. It's really kind of a pointless and brutal pursuit and a tough way to live your life coming from someone who did focus on that primarily for so many years, because our bodies are also always changing and we all naturally age. And it's, it's a privilege and a blessing to get older, you know, and I think, Mm -hmm. especially as women too, we get these messages about how we have this short-lived expiration date and then we're less beautiful or valuable. And it's like, well, who, whose message is that? Like, that doesn't have to be our truth. That's maybe what society shares, but, um, you know, so really that would be number one is unplugging from how you look and knowing that you're so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And then kind of tying in with that, what I was saying is like finding this appreciation for your body and gratitude. And really, like, I've really, really shifted the conversation in my mind when I move my body instead of, okay, I want to burn these calories and I want to tighten here and tone that. Like I never, ever think anything like that anymore. And it, yeah, you know, it was a progression to get rid of that kind of tape that talk track and to switch to very different thoughts. But now it's just, again, I'm like, I'm so thankful that my body is strong and healthy and can move. Like, again, it's such a blessing. So really Mm -hmm. just getting into that appreciation. And it's like, no matter what you look like or how you feel about how you look physically, I think we can all really step back and get behind that appreciation for ourselves. Yeah. And like, there was one more, it was right there. (laughs) Um, Oh, the self-love piece. I know. So then the other thing is, and this is actually where the title of my book came from. Someone I love lives here. That is about how we talk to ourselves, how we talk about ourselves, how we eat, how we, how we do everything. It's like the same love that we give to others. We should be extending to ourselves. So if you wouldn't say to your best friend, all of these mean critical things that you're saying to yourself, you shouldn't be saying them to yourself either. And it's like, if we really would take that step back and say, I'm going to eat like I love myself. I'm going to move like I love myself. I'm going to think thoughts that (laughs) show that I love myself. It's like, we should be treating ourselves like someone we love Mm -hmm. in every choice we make every day. So again, it's not about like, I'm fabulous. I mean, I'm all for that too, <laughs> yeah. but more of just that respect, that value that again, you're here on purpose and just valuing yourself as this mind, body, soul is, is so much more than, than just the physical body. Yeah. That's such an important, important thing because so often people only see themselves as their body. Like I am only loved because of my body. And it's like, there's so many more layers to you. You just got to like peel back the old conditioning, the old limiting beliefs, the old thoughts and get to like the true essence of like who you actually are at your core and like fall in love with that person. Right. And it's interesting how you said about your best friend. I always say like, if you have a kid or like, think about yourself when you were seven years old, like that little one inside of you is just so desperate for like love and 
validation and connection. And she just like needs so much love. And how would you treat her? Mm -hmm. Right. How would you treat a kid? You know, how would you treat your child who's seven years old? Like you would give them unconditional love, despite what they look like, despite what they've done in their past, you'd give them that love. And we can ultimately do that to ourselves as well, too. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So I know that you just released your book. Someone I love lives here. So, um, I love for you to share with my audience where people can find your book where people can get a hold of you. This has been amazing. Yeah. So the book is available for pre-order now on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, really any bookseller. Um, so it's called someone I love lives here and it officially comes out October 19th. I'm so excited. Yes. And otherwise my website is justinesloan.com. So that has all my other links and, and ways to connect with me. So that's a good place to go as well. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your, your knowledge, your heart and sharing everything that you you've been through. I know so many people are going to relate to this. So thank you so much, Justine. Thank you so much for having me, Lorna. Beautiful. Thank you guys again so much for listening to this episode. As a reminder, please go ahead and register for the free workshop happening. You don't want to miss miss this. I'm literally going to be sharing with you the one thing that you need to end your binge eating. It is happening on Tuesday, September 28th at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. So be sure to click the link in the show notes to access my private Facebook group. If you cannot watch it live, Be sure to still join the Facebook group because I will share the replay with you. And the second thing is my free five-day end nighttime eating challenge. So this is for you if you want to break the nighttime eating cycle, whether you feel out of control with food in the evenings, you feel like you're snacking uncontrollably, or you're eating out of stress and boredom in the evenings, or you just know that you're eating and you're not even hungry, this is definitely gonna be for you to break that nighttime eating cycle. So you can go to sustainablehealthproject.com forward slash challenge to register, or click the link down below in the show notes and you can register from there as well too. It's gonna be five days long. We're starting on October 4th. It's completely free October 4th to October 8th. And like I said, click the link in the show notes or visit sustainablehealthproject.com forward slash challenge and get your booty registered.